It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. episode of Scatter Chatter Podcast. I'm your boy, Jess Ray. And before we continue, just want to just let everybody know, on the episodes, if you could, please comment, share, uh, talk about our podcast, share with a friend, a family, um, dog, a pet, whatever. Um, uh, tonight we have a very special episode with uh, Dr. Eliza Hoyos Vince. She was just getting on me about her names. I don't want to botch it, botch it up. She's the head administration over at one of the finest community colleges in L.A., L.A.T.T.C. Um, I always tell people, like, most of the people that come out of their school are pretty much ready and job ready. Like, they don't need a lot of training, like, especially in, like, the culinary and any of the vocational areas. So without further ado, um, Eliza, Lisa, correct me. Tell me <laughs> if I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> hey, <laughs> what's up? up. <laughs> hey. So tell us who you are, and then we'll get into the we'll get into the questions and everything. All right. Well, um, yes. Yeah, so I'm Dr. Elisa Oyasventis. I am an immigrant. I came to this country when I was about six years old from Mexico with my parents, and I grew up in Compton. Um, so I went to high um, elementary and then middle school in Compton, and then I started to go to high school in Norwalk. Um, I graduated, went to UC San Diego, where I became involved in a lot of outreach and retention programs for first-generation, um, low-income students of color. So anything from high school conferences to parent workshops, overnight, we, I was involved in a lot of that. Um, and when I left, I started working with a nonprofit um, in L.A. County uh, that serviced foster youth in the L.A. County area. So I worked with them on college awareness, and that actually fueled my, um, like my passion to work in education and, and showing the different options of the different options of education that are available in our district. Um, I'm sorry, in our, our school system. I was fortunate and unfortunately tracked into the AP. And the reason why I say fortunately and unfortunately is because I think that being tracked into the AP, I never really gave community colleges the credit or the option that it should be given. Um, community colleges are amazing and they are such an amazing opportunity for our students. And so um, that's when I became more knowledgeable um, as I was working with our foster youth about the great and awesome programs that community colleges have for our students. And so, um, you know, I decided, hey, let's, let's continue moving forward with that. And I went for my master's in counseling. 
Um, so I am a counselor by practition. Um, I work with students on their educational goals, um, their career goals, and most recently I graduated with my doctorate in educational leadership um, from Cal State Long Beach. So, um, you know, because part of it is how can we make institutional changes to make sure that our students are actually getting the best access possible to the education available. So, yeah, it's a little bit about me, my educational trajectory. All right. So explain to us, the audience, what is it, what's, what's the day in the life for you as a dean, like from opening day to closing? Um, so with COVID, let's say my the first thing I do when I wake up is turn on my Google Voice and make sure that all my um, my staff have access to their voice, their Google Voice um, phone. So right now we're still working remotely. We're going to be remote for the rest of the semester. And so the first thing I do is make sure that they have access to their Google Voice app, that it's on, that, you know, students are able to call in. Um, sometimes we have to restart the app, so I have to help um, some of my staff members troubleshoot um, if they're having any issues with that app, uh, because that's how our students are connecting with us. That's one of the ways. So definitely doing that. There's a lot of emails that are sent back and forth, and a lot of Zoom conferences. Um, so whether it's speaking about enrollment, whether it's talking with my teams on program development, on workshop creation, on team marketing ideas. Um, it, there's a lot of meetings that take place with staff members and also with the executive board. And so uh, when I talk about the executive board, I, I mean our president and our vice president of the campus um, mm -hmm. in terms of what do they want us to do or what is it that they want us to focus on when it comes to our work. Um, we also do orientation. So, for example, today actually – I had two orientations. One of them was for our general public. Another orientation was for our undocumented students. And then the last um, info session is for students who are interested in partaking in our entrepreneurship certificate program. So sometimes it's, you know, I have meetings, trainings, um, emails, and then I get to speak to students about whether it's welcoming to the campus, informing them of options available on our campus or, you know, but sometimes it's calming them down because they may have not gotten to the right staff member. They may have been, you know, sent from one office to the next. And so it's up my job to try and figure out how to best um, fix the, the problem at that moment. And if I don't have a solution, it's about, trying to calm down the student and then finding what the next steps are that we need to take to make sure the student gets that um, situation fixed. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, of technology, a lot of um, Zoom interface that's happening right now. And that's, that's what the life of a dean looks like. <laughs> okay. So you guys aren't using Zoom. You guys are using Google Meetup, I believe that's right for all of your communication students and the staff, right? No, we're actually using Zoom. I use Google Voice for my staff because that way I can see when the phones are on and when they're not. And so I need to be able okay. to, like, control the the amount of time. Like, when they're on break, I need to ask the supervisor. That's one thing that I have to do 
is make sure that they're on and available for our students. Oh, okay. So, all right. So this current semester, I'm I'm kind of like mm-hmm. off on the the question that we need to ask you. So, have you guys had any like technical issues, and how what have you guys done to overcome them, or what are your recommendations for over, overcome them? Because I've heard some students, and even like just I think overall, I think it might be like a tech issue. Like, mm-hmm. have you have you guys had any issues, and what were they, and what did you guys do to oh, overcome okay. them? Yeah, um, so definitely um, the I'm, – I'm not sure if you heard, but actually today um, Zoom was shutting down a few times because a number of campuses were starting school today. This is the first week of their fall semester. We start next week. Um, but there were already reports of Zoom crashing, of, um, you know, blackouts. Um, so what we do is we're very big on notifying students via social media, um, so okay. whenever there was a technology issue, we would post right away information on our Facebook page, our Instagram, and um, also send emails. Um, mm-hmm. Because most of the time what we had issues with was either Zoom or Canvas, which is the platform that we use for our students to upload all their um, documents, all their paperwork. The Canvas platform is what they use to connect with the professors teaching the course mm-hmm. if the professor isn't using Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. So we would still be able to connect with our students via email um, and social media, and we would send out mass communication through those venues. Um, but mainly uh, today, we weren't impacted by it. We are prepping ourselves for next week because we are nine campuses um, in our district. So we're part of the LA Community College um, District, and so we're nine campuses. You know, so we're we're a little bit like, okay, it may hit us next week. How do we make sure that our students are aware? Um, we're trying to get our faculty to open up their classrooms, quote unquote, or their Canvas platforms, maybe a day or two earlier, so that students have some time to review like what's going on before the first day of the semester, um, mm-hmm. and that way, hopefully, it it doesn't crash while they're already, you know. And if it crashes, they've already seen some of the items. But we're trying to, to mitigate that. Um, also having information sessions um, for them and having IT ready to help us out with, the like, any sort of blackouts or anything like that. Oh, okay. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. So I'm going to ask you on top of that, is there any recommendation that you would recommend to, like, say if, if I'm a parent, and I have my kid going to school, or if I'm going to school, like what should I do to like make sure I'm on top of my game so that I'm getting connected to assignments or, you know, whatever. With the, so, cause it seems like Zoom is a universal thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing we need to remember is because they're in college, the communication that your you as a parent are going to have with, the professor is going to be very minimal. There is something called FERP, which prohibits the colleges, universities, community colleges, to give certain information to parents because we are mm-hmm. now speaking directly with students. So one right. of the things I would highly recommend is for parents to talk to their students about what their classes look like, when if their classes are going to be live or if they're going to be recorded. 
because some mm-hmm. professors may do the virtual um, lecture live, and so they have to mm-hmm. be on at the time of the lecture. Other mm-hmm. professors will say, you know what, I'm going to record it, upload it, and you can watch it whenever you want. Or mm-hmm. they may do both. They may do the live version but record it so that you can actually go back to it. So okay. as a parent, it's good for you to have that conversation with your ch- with your student so that, A, you get a sense of what your student is taking, B, mm-hmm. so that you know what is it that they're going to need. Are they going to need to actually block out time um, as if they were going to to school. So, for example, if I have class at 11 a.m., I have to be on at 11 a.m. Or is my 11 a.m. professor one of the ones that I can actually check in at 5, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. and handle my business at that time? So that's important to, um, to talk to your child about, you know. The other thing is making sure there's a lot of smart TVs, and sometimes that actually impacts your, you know, your internet. So I would recommend Mm -hmm. that everybody checks, like, talk to your internet provider, be like, okay, how do I make sure that my computer is connected, uh, you know, or has the, the, I guess, the Wi-Fi band that it needs um, during these times specifically, if you, if you have that, if not, just in general. Um, I know for me, when I called my service, they were like, oh, make sure that your computer is connected to this, I think, like, two gigabytes, and then your smart TV connected to the five gigabytes or something like that. So sometimes your provider can give you those tips so that you don't actually um, shut down. Because that's the other thing that we're noticing. Some of our students are losing, even our staff members and, like, our executive team, like, I was losing connection. But it's because all of the um, technology, per se, in my house was connected to the same, like, band or whatever they call that. And then when Mm -hmm. I called, they're like, no, you need to switch it up. And actually switching it up helped me. So things like that. So let me ask you this. Are are some of your your professors or faculty, are they flexible with maybe some of the students that don't have access to all the technology that some kids may have? Or is there kind of like a flexible medium there? In between that? You know what? That's a really good question. Um, it's yes and no. It really depends on the okay. professors um, and the, the class that they're being, that they're teaching. So, for example, um, at LA Tree Tech, we have a lot of classes that require hands-on um, mm-hmm. learning because of the traits. So, culinary arts, cosmetology, um, you know, you think about automotive. Uh, there's a lot of Yes, items that you're going to learn and and theories or, you know, you're going to learn the how-to in a book. But then there comes a point where you're actually going to have to do something. You're going to have to show what you're learned. And so some of the professors are really cool in the sense, like, for example, culinary arts, what they're doing is that they're creating kits so that the Mm -hmm. students come and pick them up. And in the kit, they'll have, like, Everything that they need for their baking, they'll have everything, like whether it's um, like the food, the instructions, the material, they'll have that in the uh-huh. kit. But at home, they do have to have the Wi-Fi to record um, what's happening uh. and how do they, you know. So then it, it's sort of like a balance of we're giving you this, but we do need you to provide this. Uh, right. Our district is actually providing some laptops for students who do not have them. 
We mm-hmm. have a system where students actually um, apply online, and they are put on the list. And through that list, um, basically, they go down the list to give laptops to students who are in need of a laptop. Oh, wow. And how long does that process take? Like if somebody, like, applies, does it take a long time? It takes anywhere from two to three weeks. And right now the biggest hurdle is getting the laptops to us. Um, We actually ordered laptops maybe about a month and a half ago to two months ago, and they're Mm -hmm. still in China. Because of the issues with COVID, they haven't been shipped over. So we actually just made um, an emergency purchase, and I believe we're going to get some from a different, you know, um, a different side of the world, and we're going to get them hopefully in two weeks. Um, You know, unfortunately, they won't be here for the first week of class, but we're hoping by the second or third week, students who need them and have applied will get them. Oh, okay. So what about, I don't know, I think, aren't there... Have you guys, so do you guys have like partnerships with other technology companies? Like maybe that might be in like Korea or I think maybe it might even be India. Do you guys have like that as, as a backup plan as opposed to just you know China? What? Right now, I don't think so. And that wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to speak on that because that's handled under our IT department. So our technology okay. department uh, would be the one to do that. But, yeah, no, that would be – I mean, that's definitely something to look into. I just – I wouldn't have that information. Okay. All right. So Yeah. Um, we, we don't know forward. everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are doing the best you can um, with the information <laughs> that you have. Okay, so uh, with that, uh, so your students um, – now that we're in COVID or pre-COVID, right? So, are there any? Is there any like differences as far as like the majors now? Are they changing? Like, what are people mainly majoring in? Are they just continuing with normal? Like things are just normal. You know what? No, the um, our majors are still the same, and students are still um, going or majoring in the similar the same programs that they were before COVID. There hasn't been, okay. per se, an influx in any one major. Um, part of it is resources. So, for example, even if we wanted to take a larger cohort, if we don't have the resources to provide them with the proper tools or the, pro- the proper, um, like, let's say, the kits that they need, we won't be able to get more students in. Uh, but from what we're seeing right now is students are still very much um, trying to take classes for all of our different pathways or all of our different majors, and we're mm-hmm. not seeing any anyone actually stand out the most. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So with that being said, you're, as far as, like, where you're at, the institution that you're at, where do people where are people like transferring and what what majors like do you see people like moving on to a UCLA or do you see people moving on to a USC or like maybe a, a school on the east coast somewhere like it, you know ahead. what we actually have a good number of students who are are transferring to Cal State the Cal States are the most um popular ones within our campus. So Cal State LA and Cal State Long Beach and Cal State Northridge are our top three Cal State. 
we do see a good number of students go to the UC, um, the UCLA, and then actually USC um, gets a, a few of our students, and I think mainly it's because of proximity. Um, so our students know USC, and definitely it's, you know, its reputation is it's a huge one. So they do get one. Um, they get a couple of our students, but mainly our students go to the Cal State, um, Long Beach, LA, and Northridge being the top, um, what is it called, the most popular ones. And it also has to do with a program that is called TAG. So TAG is definite. it's a, a, I'm sorry, not TAG, it's ADT, which is an associate's degree to transfer. So with an associate's okay. degree to transfer, our students are able to complete a majority up to 60 units at the community college, and then they're guaranteed to complete their bachelor's within two years when they get to the Cal State system. And so it sort of get, helps, um, it sort of helps the student feel like, okay, once I get to the Cal State, I have two years and I'm, I'm done with my bachelor's. Um, so those are some of the things that I think help the Cal State systems gain popularity and be a really mm -hmm. good option for our students. The other thing is because of the programs that the Cal States offer, it's a very good, um, it's a really good, they're really good schools to go to. So, uh, for example, we have a strong business department and Cal State Long Beach has a really good business school. So that's, that's one our liberal arts department, our English department is amazing. They have a really strong, um, you know, program when it comes to getting students involved in the classroom. And so a lot of our transfers go and either focus on sociology or history. And a lot of those liberal arts um, majors are found within the Cal State um, as a really strong program. Wow. Okay. So, when we're talking about the programs, like going to like the associates programs to the like the Cal States. Now let's go back a step. Like there's a lot of like certification programs in different areas. Like do you do you guys like accept credits from them? Like how how do you find like an accredited like certification program that you can transfer into like an academic program? Or is there such a thing? Does that even exist? Yes. So um, there are it really comes down to how many units you take. Um, so for okay. example, for some certificate programs, you only may need 30 units. And so 30 units equals a year, or it could equal okay. two years depending on how many you want. Now, mm -hmm. those classes, some of those classes are transferable, meaning that they're the ones that you need to take to get into a, a four-year university. Okay. The, the difference is that, you know, for example, when you're doing a class that is maybe barbering, barbering is right. a very specialized technique. And so mm -hmm. that skill set may not necessarily be connected to, um, you know, history or English per se. But the right. student didn't only take barbering. They took English. They took writing. And so those classes are the ones that are going to be counting towards their transfer. So it's a little bit of um, that's why it's really important for our students to talk to a counselor um, because mm -hmm. it really depends on what the student wants to do and what options would they like to see open for them. So, I mean, but when we're saying that, so like, let's just take like you have a, an actual, an adult, right? They've, they have life experience 
they want to come in. They've done some schooling, and they're just like, you know, how do I translate my working skills to a credit or some type of certification program I did into, like, some college credits so I can, like, move things along, so to speak? So uh, in some campuses, and we are also some ones that do it, but that would be more on the academic side. It's a credit by exam. Um, So you would be able to do an exam and get credit for a class. The other thing is for our vets, um, we do give them life credit based on what they've done when they were serving or when they were um, in boot camp. But that's definitely very particular, um, you know, populations that have that ability. And so it's going and talking to a counselor that um, focuses on that and seeing what is it that they've done, what do they need to provide as proof of them completing or having um, that certification and then getting that credit. So it's not to say that it's not going to give them any credit, but it has to be, um, we have to check whether it's accredited, we have to check whether it's from this country. If it's not, it doesn't mean we're not going to accept it, but it may mean that we need translation of, you know, the certificate, or we may need to see what does the curriculum cover in that mm-hmm. class and whether it's connected to what is being covered in our current class, because that's how you get credit for it. Um, you have to make sure that what you finished or what you completed at a different institution or in life is actually connected to what is being taught in the curriculum. But that is definitely something that is something a counselor would be able to help you with. And also department chairs would have a say in that of the, of the different um, departments. So based upon what you're saying, based on a case by case basis, somebody from say, I don't know, Germany that has some type of education that they're equivalent to an associate could come to your school or a school like yours. And you guys will look into their case and give them credits based upon their, their past experiences. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to get everything counted because it could be that, you know, they took 10 classes and out of the 10, we're only allowed to take two or we're only allowed to take eight. So that's why I'm saying that it really depends on what classes they took. And then it's something that is done um, between the academic side, so the chairs, the department chairs, and then the counselor who walks the student through the process of what to provide in terms of proof and what to provide um, in terms of what is the process in terms of getting the write-up, getting um, whatever it is the college requires from them to get the credit. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. So yeah, unfortunately, it's, yeah, unfortunately it's not a very easy process. It's not like, you know, I'm going to come in and get it done. Sometimes it may mean, you know, getting, your transcript from your institution, let's say that, like I, I was saying earlier, if they're from a different country, it may mean that it has to be sort of um, translated and certified. And then it may mean that we need to get curriculum, you know, like the information of what exactly was taught and what was the goal of the class um, or the student learning outcome of the class and see how and if it connects to what's being taught in the current class for you to get credit. 
And so that is a lengthy process, but I would urge anybody who has that possibility to still take advantage of it because you never know Mm -hmm. whether that one or two class, maybe three classes, five will help you and and get you closer to that um, certificate. Yeah, because I hear a lot of people that come from, like, different countries, like, I've done this education, and then they have to, like, do their education, like, all over again from the beginning, mm-hmm. even though they've gotten so far. And I'm just like, oh, man, this must be painful for you. And, but yeah. they do it, and they're just like, they want it really bad. So Yeah, and, I mean, if we think about it, sometimes even the techniques or the, the knowledge base may be very different. And so mm-hmm. you may have the foundation, but then when it comes to um, specifics, you may be lacking that, and that's what the, they will let you know. Mm. Okay. So um, what is your advice for people that are, you know, first year, first generation, like college students, like coming into the semester, like at your school or just at any school? Like what was you, what's your top five pieces of advice so that they're successful? I think the first thing I, I recommend all students is to, you know, read and read your emails, um, especially right now, a lot of communication, whether it's on resources available, whether it's on um, deadlines that you have to uh, abide by, whether it's documents for your financial aid that you need to submit or are missing. Uh, you know, everything is going to be sent via email. And so I really urge students to connect with your campus and know whether you can use your personal email. So meaning, can I use my Gmail? Can I use my Yahoo? Um, Or do I have to use my student email? Meaning my Mm -hmm. at Santa Monica College or at LATTC. Because, for Mm -hmm. example, on my campus, all our students have to use at LATTC. Um, especially when it comes to issues around um, enrollment, you know, issues revolving their identity, issues revolving financial aid, you must use your student ID. I'm sorry, your student Mm. email. And so it's very important for our students to be aware of what the, you know, what is the process at your campus. It could be that at your campus they allow you to forward, you know, documents or forward your email to your personal and then you're good um and we were able to do that at the beginning here at trade but especially now where there's so much interchange um exchange of information we definitely moved Mm -hmm. to making sure that our students um identity is protected by going through this campus email so definitely read your emails um ask questions do not be afraid to ask questions there are some processes in our education system that are complicated or that may require you to do an extra step or two. Um, make sure to ask the question. Make sure that you write down, and then, you know, if you still have questions, come back and ask it. Meet with a counselor. You need to know um, what type of courses you should be taking, when you should be taking them, and how you should be taking them. And when I say how, I mean, do I take all six classes in one semester? Well, if I'm working a full-time job and I'm a parent, is that the best option for me? It could be that it's not. But it could be maybe if I am straight out of high school and my sole commitment is school. 
Mm-hmm. So it really depends on your um, your situation, what you want to uh, get to, and then, you know, what are your responsibilities and what is it that's happening outside of school? I'm very big, and I always tell my staff, remember that our students, school is part of it. It's part of their world. It's not their whole world. We have right. students who are parents, students who are, you know, caregivers, you know, students who are the sole breadwinners of the house, and we have students whose sole job is to be a student. And so all of them have different needs, and that means that the time available for school is different. And we need to be able to respect that and be able to work with that when it comes to creating their schedule or letting them know what's available. Mm. And get involved. You know, uh, the campus has a lot of opportunities for you to get involved, whether it's by being part of a program such as EOPS, CSPS, um, Puente, Emoja, um, Adelante, Latino Males. Um, we have the um, ATMA, which is uh, for our African-American um, males. So there's different programs that your campus will, be, you know, be, have for you. Some of them will have requirements. So, for example, um, at Tree Tech, the EOPS program, fantastic program. It provides students with book stipends. It provides them with food vouchers. It provides them with, um, once you're ready to transfer, if you're looking to transfer, they'll pay for your application. So it's nice. an amazing program, right? But uh-huh. you have to be enrolled in 12 units, which is a full-time student, unless you are mm-hmm. a veteran or you're a DSPS student. Mm-hmm. And you have to meet with a counselor, and you have to do, I think, two other points of contact. So even though it's an, it's an amazing program, you also need to make sure that you do certain things to be part of the program. And so being open to that is very important for our students because you're going to get a lot of resources, but sometimes, in, a lot of the times, it means you're going to have to put some work into it. So mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend our students to get involved. Um, be involved, whether it's in clubs, whether it's in um, some form of leadership, whether it's working on campus, when you fill out your FAFSA, um, FAFSA is a, a free, um, of, it's a financial aid application for free money for all of our students. For our undocumented students, we have the California Dream Act. So ca- undocumented students are also able to get um, financial aid from the state of California. Um, through FAFSA, you can actually say, that you would like to work on campus. And working on campus is a, it's a huge thing. You'll get paid to work on campus, and a lot of times that means more flexibility. It may mean a higher pay because they um, usually schools pay higher than the minimum wage. And more right. importantly, you'll start networking, um, which is very important when you consider what your next step is going to be. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely is, and that's why you know I always say ask those questions. Um, make sure you connect with people, because I don't expect our students to know and remember this right away. Um, uh-huh. It takes time. It takes time for you to know this. It takes time for you to get acquainted with what it is to go to college. And so it's always good to have somebody there in your corner that you can go to and ask and be reminded um, or be given like, okay, well, you tried that. Now 
try this. Um, because sometimes it may not work right away. It may You may have to, you know, try two or three times. But you'll get it done. It just means that you have to try again. Yeah. Wow. Okay, all right. So so we've got the, the people that are just coming in. What is your what are your piece of advice for people that are graduating or transferring from your school or just any school in general? What do you got for them? Okay, so there's a couple of things. You know, when we talk about being done with your education at a two-year, you have options. Um, just mm-hmm. like, you know, are you transferring to a four-year or are you going into the workforce? Um, okay. You know, some students, what we do at Trade is we have a What's Next workshops, a series of workshops. And so What's Next focuses on exactly that. You know, I'm about to graduate. What do I do? Some of the things you want to consider is if you're transferring, starting to realize that transferring to a four-year is very different than going into a two-year. And so you need to prepare. Um, a lot of it has to do financially. When you go to a four-year, you have to pay for certain things such as, you know, your orientation. If you're living on campus, you're going to have to pay a deposit. You know, when it comes to books, you're going to have to probably pay a little bit more than what you were paying at a community college. And so Mm -hmm. what we want our students to always prepare for is to be able to have those things in mind so that they don't think, financial aid is going to cover everything because financial aid will be there. But for example, orientation most of the time happen before school starts. So that's something that the students will have to pay. Hello? Oh, sorry. I'm here. Yeah. Um, So for example, um, you know, orientation is something that students would have to pay before they get to college. So thinking ahead and thinking, okay, I'm going to have to put money into that. If you're going to live in the dorm, does that require a deposit? Knowing that, what does financial aid or what does your financial aid look like at the four-year? Will you have Mm -hmm. to put money out of your pocket? Will you have to get a loan versus maybe at a community college where you were loan-free? You know, also, Mm. how do you connect at the community college, who would be your advisors at the four-year versus um, at the two-year, you know? So asking these questions, preparing yourself to transfer. If you're going into the workforce, one of the biggest things is resume building, making sure that your resume has been reviewed by the career center, starting to prep for interviews. How do you present yourself? What is it that you talk about? How do you, you know, share your knowledge? And that is actually something that depends on what type of work you're going into. Because going into, um, on our campus, we have some students that work with Metro because we have um, a great relationship. We have actual programs that prepare the drivers, the ones that are the mechanics. And so how do you prepare for an interview with Metro it's very different than how you prepare for a job interview with, let's say, a child care center, you know, because mm-hmm. we also have child day care um, classes. So learning that, connecting with your career services, attending those workshops where you learn how to develop your resume, how to speak, you know, even your first, your one minute that they call selling point. Those are all things that you can do as you're preparing for um, graduation. And maintaining connections. I think a lot of the times as first years, 
we forget the importance of networking or we may not know how to network. It's such a, I remember I was like, oh, I, I don't even, I'm still horrible at it. And I, I always start, people are like, oh, you're a doctor. I'm like, yeah, I hate it. I was like, and I'm the first one. Like, I, I don't, I, I really, I don't, I'm like, if you don't know me, we cool. Um, but it is a disservice. It is a disservice because I am potentially stopping myself from networking with someone who could at some point help my students. And so mm. I think that's one of the hard things that um, as a first gen, I never understood the power of networking and I never knew how to do it. And so learning how to do it is a skill that you have to gain for both transfer and for our students going into the work industry, into the job industry. Um, so definitely those are some things that I think our, our students need to prep. Okay. Wow. You got some really strong jewels. Uh, we know what you know what you're doing from what you said. <laughs> I um, hope so. I'm like, I hope you, so. Are you really like, wow, this is like a no-fail episode. Like, I think people should, like, take this and pass it on to their friends and I everything. So. Um, <laughs> this is like, okay, so um, closer remarks, and uh, do you want to give people your contact information if they want to, like, come and, you know, enroll at the school? What, what you got for Yeah. Them? So um, you could reach me um, via email right now. Like I said, it's the best way. Um, so you uh-huh. can definitely reach me via email at H-O-Y-O-S-V-S-Invictor-E mm-hmm. at edu. Um, mm-hmm. And once again, my name is Elisa Hoyos Ventes. I am an associate dean at LA Trade Tech um, in the student services side. So um, okay. once again, you can reach me via email. That's the best way to communicate right now. All right, and um, audience, her her email is on the intro card on our episode. Um, so please, like, hit her up for information. And, you know, even if you want to get enrolled, like I said before, um, just from working and just being in L.A., and I'm not the first person to say this, most of the students that come out of LATC, LATTC, like, they're great at vocational work and just work ethic. Like, they have a very strong work ethic. It's it's amazing. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. This is what it is. Like, I've seen how they get down. Like, even, like, I know – one of your graduates was on the Food Network. I think it was Chopped. One Chopped <laughs> and has like uh, probably like two or three restaurants in the Venice area. That's awesome. I'm sure, yes, so, our chefs are really awesome. Like the things that they come up with, like in the kitchen, it's just amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So they're – I'll. I'm just going to say it like there's some badasses in the kitchen for sure. So, <laughs> so and then um, I know some people that work in you guys in the mechanic department, some of the teachers, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. And the people that come out of there, they're amazing. Um, you know, I, I, you guys rival like SMC. Like, I don't know about West LA College. I can't say too much about them, but I know you guys rival SMC as far as some of the best community colleges here in LA. And I think you guys are ranked. You and SMC are ranked 20, I think, in the nation, I think, 
as far as transferring, like, the education. Am I wrong in that, or am I speaking ahead of myself? I think you're – you know what? That would be fantastic, but I can't – I don't know, okay? <laughs> I don't look okay. a lot of that. <laughs> okay, I okay. But I know, like, some, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, anywho, I don't want to, like, you know, put too much ahead of – but look into it. But anyway, so, yeah, so that's what it is. Uh, thank you, Aliza, for coming on. No problem. And, uh, and um, we we'll hope to speak to you again. And um, audience, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for lending us your ear. And uh, be good to each other. And we'll see you on the next episode on next Monday. And we're out. Bye, y'all. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.